So uh, sorry I couldn't be with you last Sunday. And somebody was talking about swooning, and we were uh, there's a Baptist church about ten minutes away from us, and I said, "Well, we've never been over there." So Chris and I said, "Let's go over there. We want to hear the preacher." And and uh, a lady during the service started swooning, and everybody's looking around, and Chris and I said. I know what that is. I've heard that before. <laughs> she was uh, happy, and uh, she was praising the Lord. So uh, anyway, that's what I hear when I hear children. I just know that they're in their, the little out of the mouths of babes. It says God has ordained wisdom. So uh, thank God for that. Um, what a blessing. You know, you know, you're in. A, you know, you're living almost in a different time period sometimes. Um, now, now, this is before I started this. I was in a store the other day, and I needed a. Uh, you know, sometimes you lose those little cubes to your phone, and, they, and, and some of them don't work the same. Well, this was a Kindle uh, that I needed a cube for, and, and uh, I got it, and the guy says, uh, boy, you really got a bargain. I said, well, I did. He says, it's only 20 bucks. I'm throwing like, he must be a millennial. Because, <laughs> you know, you walk out, you got a cube, you don't have the connection to the cube. And I'm thinking, like, I was afraid to ask what the connection would cost. If that's 20 bucks just for the cube without the, without the cord, I mean, I'm figuring it's 40 bucks with the, with the cord. And I'm thinking, wow, well, I did have the cord, thankfully. <laughs> and so I was like, I think I'm living in a different time period right now. It's just not the same, right? I'm living for you. <laughs> uh, okay, I remember when those, those pops were five, five cents, not... But anyway, we're going to look at uh, we're going to look at uh, the book of James this morning, James chapter one, and uh, we're going to be looking at uh, James has I think one of the he's one of the earlier right, uh, earlier uh, uh, epistles that's written in New Testament, and the reason I wanted to do that is because James I think has something for us in our day and time, and that is is he's talking about the tests that God puts us through. And in fact, if you could look at James in that sense, there's probably five or six different tests that God puts Christians through. And the intention, of course, in that is that God's testing our faith. And I think that that's, uh, you know, when we see it that way, I think it kind of helps us to understand what God's doing in our lives. But uh, so we're going to look at this this morning. James, uh, we know, is the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, you say, well, I didn't know that Je- Jesus had half-brothers. He had several half-brothers. Jesus, uh, James was one. Jude was the other. We know that there were other. Uh, he had sis- half-sisters as well. And so, uh, so James is writing. Uh, he, got, he had the nickname Old Camel Knees because he was a man of prayer. So uh, think of James was converted after Jesus rose from the dead. It says that he all of a sudden we see him meeting with, the, with uh, the disciples upstairs in Acts. And then later on, we know from 1 Corinthians that Paul said that Jesus appeared to his half-brother, or to James, his brother, uh, there in 1 Corinthians 15. So, so James was, had a reputation uh, for being a very godly man, and he was also kind of head of the church in Jerusalem. If you think of the Jewish contingency in Jerusalem, then James was that person. So James is written about 40, 45 B- A.D., and so you could think, okay, that's pretty early. That's way before Paul writes some of his epistles. And so the church is in its early stages. And one of the things that it was going through was that it was going through persecution. 
Uh, in fact, if you notice in verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. So, these are, these are Jewish Christians and they've been dispersed throughout, uh, scattered throughout uh, the, the uh, Roman Empire. And notice he says in verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, without, no, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind." For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And so we're going we're gonna to stop there and uh, just uh, talk about trials this morning. I know everyone loves trials, right? We want to talk about trials this morning. But uh, how does God use adversity in your life? What, what's God doing in adversity? Because uh, the word trial there is also the word tempt. It can be, it's the same word. Uh, but it's really the whole point of that testing and that, uh, that uh, trial is what is God doing in your trials? That's the question I think we all have, right? When we're, I'm going through it, why is this happening? Well, James is going to answer that for us, I believe. And it's going to help us, I think, understand some of the complexity. Because I don't know about you, most of my trials are complex and I don't have answers. Okay? And most of us don't. And, and I think James is here to help us, I think, kind of sort through some of this uh, this morning. And so, uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that uh, we can be here this morning. It's a day of worship. It's a day of which we can um, join with uh, our uh, precious brothers and sisters in Christ and uh, worship together and uh, lift up our eyes to the heavens and rejoice in our, our gracious God and our uh, knowing that uh, you're working out things in our lives that we don't always understand. But Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that in the midst of uh, our walk, that it's, uh, it's not just that we're walking, uh, Father, in our own strength, that we can learn uh, through all of this to, to have the strength that you give us. And that certainly comes from resting and relying upon you this morning. Uh, Father, I know you have... Uh, you know each need in this congregation. You know the needs of those who are here, those who are not here. Lord, I just pray that you would deepen a hunger and a thirst in all of us for your presence and for your word. And, uh, Father, that it would uh, uh, be as honey, uh, Father, that we would long to, to eat it and to taste it and to, uh, to enjoy it. And, uh, Father, I thank you that through all of life, uh, Father, that we have one who said he'll walk with us moment by moment. And I thank you for that, uh, refre that refreshing news, Lord, that uh, not only did you save us, but you saved us so that you might be with us and that you might guide us and direct us in ways of righteousness for your name's sake. We ask for your Holy Spirit to come and to anoint the word that would be spoken. And, and Father, just give us a clear uh, understanding, a clearer understanding of, of how the gospel touches our lives and makes us more like Christ. And for this we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, one of the, I think one of the fascinating uh, things about uh, spring, and I, I think especially as you look forward to summer, 
is, uh, is like watching the nature, what's happening in nature. Um, I like to watch the birds and different things, but uh, there's a, uh, they call it a seropia moth, and it's usually in a cocoon. I don't know if you, sometimes you'll see a cocoon, and, uh, and the neat thing about those is that the, the moth has to really work hard to get outside of the cocoon, and it, uh, you know, it goes through a very uh, long struggle, and that effort in which it goes through is the very thing that causes the wings to shape and develop so that the moth can fly. And um, Jerry Bridges uh, shared a, an example of uh, one little boy. He, he didn't like to see the, the struggle that that moth was going through in its infancy stage, so he snipped the, the shell of the cocoon, and soon the moth came out with its wings all cramped and shriveled. And, uh, and as that uh, little boy watched, the wings remained weak. And the moth, which is in a few moments, it, it stretched those wings out to try to fly, and it couldn't. It was doomed to crawl around uh, for the rest of its existence. And what the little boy thought he was doing was helping the moth, and yet it was actually hurting. And uh, he likened that to a person uh, trying to get out from under trials. I don't know about you, but when I come into a trial, you know what the first thing I'm thinking of? What can I do to get out of this? How can I, uh, how can I change the, the, this event? But, uh, but one of the things that we have here in the text is that, Paul, that James says, count it all joy, my brothers, not if you will encounter trials, but what? When. It's interesting, if you ask questions like that in Scripture when you're reading, you know, just ask the question, when? Who, what, where, how? And a lot of times those questions will really kind of begin to, things will jump out and you say, well, why does James say when? Because I believe that, you know, as you read the text and as, as we'll go through James, we're going to maybe do a series, we're going to do a series in James on those tests. But as you read through James, you realize that those tests, they do come and they're appointed by God. And you go like, well, God appoints those times and he appoints those struggles and those difficulties. And I thought it was all other people. <laughs> I thought it was my circumstances that were the problem. And yet we're going to find out that ultimately sovereignly, God's sovereign control over life is that God also ordains those. Now there's people involved. We know that when Joseph was uh, going through his trial, remember, yes, his brothers sinned against him. Yes, Joseph himself had a kind of a, you know, kind of a, a you know, a, immature attitude towards his brothers. And he was kind of bragging and he was, you know, and there were things there. But ultimately over all of that God had an overriding purpose, right? They meant it for evil, God meant it for good. And I think we have to, we, we'll look at that just in a little more detail, but, but James is reminding Christian readers that all true believers can be sure of one thing, that you will be, your faith will be tested. You will go through testing. You are going to go through trials. I'm going to go through trials. And the reason being is that true faith is always going to be tested. Otherwise it wouldn't be true faith. And so James is writing to these people who are going through trials and they're going through difficulties. But our natural tendency, I think, is like the little boy, is we try to avoid pain and adversity. Now, I'm not saying that we should love pain and adversity, by the way. <laughs> He's not saying love your pain 
embrace uh, your, you know, in other words, he's saying count it all joy, not because of the pain, but because of what God intends for your struggle. So keep that in mind this morning, because that's, that's really, God has ordained the means of growth in your Christian life. It's called adversity. It's called the testing of your faith. It's called uh, trials, uh, which, you know, he uses the word trials, but you know, use adversity there. Uh, so the testing of your faith, God has, God's, it's God's plan. And I don't usually think of it that way. I mean, I'll have to admit, uh, uh, you know, there's this sick theology out there. It's called health and wealth gospel. It's affecting the whole world. Even like uh, some of the some Christians, even from Africa, are infected. They think that all Christian all Christians in America uh, are wealthy. And I had one particular pastor come and visit me, and he wanted me to go to the store with him. And he started picking out stuff and putting them in the cart. And I'm going like, who's paying for this? You are? And I'm thinking like, okay, all right. <laughs> After about 200 or $300, I said, okay, wait there. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. I'm a poor pastor. I can't afford, you know, more than two or $300. I said, you know, we'll, we'll go to the, the cheap shop if you want to do that. Uh, but uh, it was fine. It was, he really thought that all Christians, you know, in America, well, you know, we hear that, you know, Jesus, you, Jesus, you Pray and, and that's why you have all this blessing. You know, you got two cars, you got a garage, you got, you know, a house, and da da da. And he went on and on and on. And 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 he didn't realize that no, that's not true. That the health and wealth gospel is actually a false gospel. If you think that you believe in Jesus and all your life is a vacation, then obviously, uh, you know, you're in for a real surprise. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so so it's interesting. The perspective that he had was a perspective that I think a lot of times Christians have, especially if they listen to some of that kind of preaching that really, I think, diminishes uh, the real nature of faith and what God designs it for. And so, uh, so notice that, that it's God's plan that you go through struggle. But I don't always know that I appreciate that. Uh, I like to know, I like to plan things, don't you? If I'm going to go through a struggle, I would like to know it's going to be, uh, in two weeks I can plan for it. It's like, like, a, like a, an appointment, you know. Okay, I got a doctor's appointment, I'll plan it for this, and I can set aside time for this, and I'll make sure that, you know, I don't have other things involved. But that's not the way it works in our Christian life. And I don't know about you, but and, and most, I'm, I'm talking to people who, you know, I know that you probably saying, well, you know, I understand that. But unfortunately, when those big, big trials come, guess what happens? Why is this happening, God? <laughs> Why did my car break down? Why did I hit a deer? <laughs> what, what, uh, what did I do wrong? You know, it's like uh, my, my one grandson, as uh, we were, we were, something happened and the, uh, the dog grabbed the little baby deer and, and my wife screamed and, and he looked at grandma and he says, grandma, what did I do wrong? <laughs> and she said, it's nothing, son. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, you didn't do anything wrong. It's just that I didn't want the dog to kill the deer, you know, and uh, it was just, but, but, the, but that's our natural re reflex. It's our natural reaction to, um, to trials. But, but, Paul, but James doesn't stop there. Notice he says why God gives the trial. Why do trials happen? God's design, so God has a plan. He's in control of the plan. So nothing affects us by accident. 
and then he has a purpose in your trial. So what is God designing, whatever you're going through this morning and whatever I go through in my life, what is God's design? And this, I believe, is really the, probably one of the most important lessons in my Christian life that I've learned, or that I'm learning. <laughs> I don't know that I learned it all. But notice that when you meet the ter- trials of various kinds, I, I like, I think the King James says, when you fall into, it's a, it's a word like, when, when you fall into trials, and you're going to, uh, and they're going to be various tri- trials. Some people's trials are different than others. You know, uh, have you ever noticed you said, boy, I'm glad I'm not going through that because I don't think I, can ha- I could handle that. I mean, some people you listen, you, know, you see some of the struggles they go through and you go like, I don't know that I can handle that. Well, that's what James is dealing with. He says, some of them are different. They're, they're all different kinds. None of them are the same. You know, sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes it's circumstances. Sometimes it's not having, thinking that, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to meet a bill or, or those types of things. Sometimes it's, it's just your health and other things that take place, and you have no control over that. I mean, you have, you know, you can use your best judgment, you can use your best guesses, you can use all the resources God gives us, but not, but we ultimately, we don't have control of those things. But what's God's grand purpose for the testing of our faith? What, what is it James is saying that faith is like that spirit, think about it, faith is a spiritual muscle that needs what? A muscle needs you to work that out. It needs to be, uh, there needs to be resistance. Uh, there needs to be, uh, in order to build up endurance, uh, a long distance runner, for example, if he wants to run two miles, will probably run four miles on a regular basis. And the, bi- the reason to do that is so to build up what? The word endurance there is the word, actually the word endurance there, uh, it's the word perseverance, uh, sometimes it's translated patience, but the word actually means to stay under the trial until God accomplishes the purpose. Now, I don't know about you, I don't like working out. Uh, or I used to when I was younger, I thought that was cool. Now I think it's crazy. <laughs> but to build up endurance, you have to, you know, you have to, you know, you have to keep repeating things that, that cause, uh, cause you pain. And, 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 and if you don't want to do, endure the pain, then you won't what? You won't develop your muscle. So, so think about your faith in Jesus Christ is a spiritual muscle created by the Holy Spirit so that you can endure trials so that God can accomplish in you Christ-likeness. And you go like, boy, that sounds like work. <laughs> that sounds like I mean, how hard is it to be trusting God when the world around you seems to be falling apart? See? When things aren't in your control, when you don't have all the answers, and you're going through this resistance. And and in order to do that, God says, well, this trial is my evidence that I love you. And you're going like, it is? (laughs) I don't understand that. (laughs) I, I... Lord, don't love me so much, you know, you, you know, well, if, 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 the, if the trial is an evidence of your love and your care, I'm not sure, don't squeeze me so hard, just let up a little bit, right? You've never been in those places where it's like, you get the call and it's like, ah, oh, really? And then somebody else calls and you go, 
I can't believe it. And then something else happens and you go like, what, Lord, are you doing? You know, that's, that's James is talking about real, real life. See, I think we've, so often we, we, we view the Christian life and I, I've, you run into people all the time and I, I know I did it myself. As I thought, well, you know, when you become a Christian, things kind of get easier. That's not life. That's not the Christian life. And I think that, you know, if, you know, when we think that way, we're going to be disappointed and, disc- and we're going to be overwhelmed and we're going to be thinking that our faith is not real when we go through those trials and think that God's abandoned us or that God's not being faithful or, or that God doesn't really love us when those things are happening. Um, and, and I think that, you know, those, those situations only either should cause us to say, what is God doing? And the answer James gives us, God's working on you. And you know, like that little song, I don't, it's kind of a ditty. And I thought it was silly when this one lady wanted to sing it uh, one time. And I thought, oh, gee, God's still working on you. <laughs> and then well, I won't go into all the details. <laughs> but anyway, God's still at work in you. He's at work in me. Uh, you remember that old show? There was an old show. It was, uh, it was uh, Twilight Zone. Anybody? You know. Well, if you're, old, if you're older like I am, you'll know that. Anyway, there's this episode, and I, and I apologize. The, na- the guy's name was Mr. Brown. He was the manager. And uh, anyway, what happens is Mr. Brown wakes up in the morning, and through some strange accident, uh, he's chemically altered. So when he goes into work and he says hi to his staff, they say, uh, they'll, they'll say this. They'll say, well, good morning, Mr. Brown. Well, that's a nice tie you have on, and you're such, you, you look so, so neat and, you're, and so handsome. But he also could hear what they really were saying that they didn't say. That old meanie, I hope he chokes on his donut this morning. He's such an ugly old grouch and self-centered vain man. And on hearing these voices, he gets, he gets just overwhelmed because he keeps hearing all these bad things they're saying. So he runs into the bathroom. He looks in the mirror, and guess what he sees? He sees this monster that they see. That actually he sees what they're looking at, and he's saying, I don't like that. And, he's, and, and it says that, you know, in the story, he dies. So what's God doing in our trials? Isn't it? he kind of wanting us in those moments to begin to see who we really are in our hearts and to realize that Jesus looked in the mirror for us. He's the one that died. But he allows us to look at our sin, not to get overwhelmed by it, but to realize that that Christ took my sin and he bore it on the cross for me so that we get overwhelmed at his grace. And what that does is it begins to change you inside. See, uh, people sometimes think, well, why does God bring trials? Because God wants to deepen your relationship with him. And how do you deepen a relationship with somebody? Is you find out that they love you more than you ever thought they loved you. Think how much God loves us. That he sees the true me. Nobody can see the true me. I can't see the true you, can you? But God sees the true you in your heart. And you say, boy, I'm glad people don't really know what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm glad that I don't have to share, not, you know, I don't have to share, you know, that. Or that somebody doesn't know what, what went through my mind just now. And guess what? God sees it all. And guess what? And God says, and I love you anyway. That's the gospel. 
And when you realize that, that I don't have to pretend, I don't have to put on, I don't have to, I don't have to put any, any makeup and make things look better than they are, I have to say, Lord, I don't understand that. But God's doing that even through our trials because in our trials, guess what happens? God strips away all the stuff that we trust in for one reason alone, that we would trust in him alone. Isn't that amazing? God strips off. Lord, I, boy, I, I'm glad that bank account, I still got a few dollars still in it. And Lord, I thank you that I've got this. And, and Lord, I, I, I'm glad that so-and-so is there. And those are good things. But at the end of the day, God wants our affections to be number one on Him. And that, that's, see, see, so I, you know, I used to think that, well, God bringing trials, and I used to say, Lord, what did I do wrong? <laughs> uh, and I'd go like, boy, I just, and I, have you ever kicked yourself for making dumb decisions? Or getting taken another time. I remember one guy coming up to me in Detroit and saying, "Oh, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really in, uh, desperate. I'm desperate. I need some money." And I gave him a hundred dollars. I'm thinking, like, am I out of my mind? I got five kids at home and they need food. <laughs> and I thought, he says, "But I'll pay you back. Here's my phone number." Well, that phone number was bogus. And I said, I, you know, and I kicked myself and I said, "How could I be so stupid?" You know. And yet, sometimes in our trials. We think because we did something, and sometimes it might be, it might be something, some, some crazy thing we've done. But ultimately, bottom line is that God wants us to realize how much that he loves us. And, and that even in our struggles and in, our, in, in, in the things that God shows us, he's not, you know, we're asking why, and God just says, I just want you, I just want to know you better. I just want you to sit down and enjoy life. Um, you know, the, uh, one of the beautiful things about Scripture, as you're, uh, we were reminded of Solomon. I think Kenny mentioned Solomon this morning. Uh, some of the bad things. <laughs> but you know, in the temple, and this is beautiful, it just hit me, Chris and I were talking, and she said, you know, in the temple, and as we were reading through the story, is that in the temple, when they were building Solomon's temple, do you realize that they, they were not allowed to hear any, any noise at the temple? All the hewing, all the carving, all the cutting off all the rough edges of those stones had to be done outside in the quarry. And the reason being is that when they brought that stone into the temple, and some of those stones, by the way, they were hundreds of pounds, if not thousands. When they finally get, it fit exactly in the spot. Now Ephesians 2, 21 says that God is fitly framing us for the temple. What do you think he's doing through the trials? He doesn't wait until we get to heaven to fit that stone in that specific place in the New Jerusalem. Guess where he's putting it? He's fitting it down here. What's, the, well, what's all this noise? It's me screaming and crying because he's cutting the rough edges off of me. And I must have a lot of rough edges, right? You know, you ever go through it and you go, like, Lord, I, I, I think I must, oh, why am I going through this? I mean, again? And God says there's still rough edges. That's the trials. And, and, and God is, so God is fitly framing us for that one specific place he has for us in the New Jerusalem. Guess what? It's that one specific place that only you are going to fit. 
and through the trials and the struggles. And, the, and by the way, it doesn't mean that you come out of the trial saying, boy, I just love this. I just love it the way God does this. And you're going like, Lord, that really hurt. <laughs> that struggle really was hard. I, I, I'm just overwhelmed. I mean, when you're overwhelmed with what's going on in your life, guess what happens? You ever feel like David? Whom do I have in heaven but thee? And whom on earth do I desire beside thee? Heart of my flesh, it fails, but God is the strength of my life. Guess what? Doesn't Jesus become more dear to us? When we realize that God brings us to the end of ourselves, and in that process, we have nothing but Jesus. Because he'll never abandon us. No matter, I mean, you think about, I could lose, I mean, think about it. The government could take your bank accounts right, right now. They could wipe out all your savings. They could wipe out all your uh, retirement. Um, and if they don't do it, somebody else will. But, uh, you know, inflation, whatever, right? All of those things. And we say, but, you know, I'm planning for this. I'm doing everything I can. But, you know, the only insurance policy that I have is, is Jesus Christ. He never changes. And when that's happening and God's working in you and you're trying to figure, I mean, I'm like Job. I'm saying why, and God says, I'm not going to tell you why. If you read the book of Job, does he ever tell Job why? What does God do at the end of Jake, Job says this. He says, I thought I knew you, but since now my flesh, I see you. <laughs> I, I thought I knew God. I thought I knew, I mean, I, mean, I, I thought I knew, I mean, and, and, and Job was a believer, and he says, I know that my Redeemer liveth, but guess what? But he says, but I really know you now. If your trials are intended to drive you so that you know Jesus in a deeper way. I don't understand that other than the fact that God says it and I believe it. And notice because he says here in verse 4, and let steadfastness or patience or perseverance have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Now, how does he start in verse 5? But if you do lack, <laughs> I glum James, you know, you are so, you know, I, that just gets me. If you do lack wisdom, because, you know, the first thing you have to ask yourself when you're going through a trial is, I don't understand why God's doing this in my life. I don't understand why God would do this in my family. I don't know why God would do this because I've been serving God all these years and I've been faithful, Right. But if you lack, what do we lack? We lack wisdom. <laughs> and that's what he says. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, what? Let him ask of God who gives generously to all without approach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith. So, so when you come into these trials, so you've got God's plan, you've got God's purpose is to, is to deepen you and to grow you in Christ-like character, and then you ask the question, how is that possible because I still lack? And God says, well, you need to ask for wisdom. And if any man lacks wisdom, God's going to give it. Now, he may not to give you all the details, but the, the wisdom that he's going to give you in those trials is that the emotion, I mean, uh, I don't know about you, but have you been almost driven to the point where you're almost ready to panic? Well, I mean, I mean, some of those are situations are probably 
I just remember the first call I got one time was uh, from my uncle um, when my brother shot himself. And uh, I think he was 20, 21. I was in Chicago at the time, and I got the call. I fell apart at that point. Um, the emotions of that were beyond anything I could describe. And I think we go through those moments. There's sometimes you just go like, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. I'm just, I mean, you're just devastated by that kind of news. And the emotion of that takes over to the point that you either get really angry and throw something, or you get really fearful and you wonder, when's the other shoe going to drop? Or you look for an escape, some drug, something to just medicate the pain, right? Or what does God want to do with your emotion? If we do anything with our emotion other than turn to Jesus, we short-circuit the purpose for which God gave you the emotion. Do you realize that fear and those emotions that you struggle with, and I, I'll admit, I struggle. There's sometimes, man, it's like, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm going to do. But that emotion is intended to drive you to the foot of Jesus. Lord, you are the one that has the answer. You're the one that heals. You're the one that supports. You have promised, I mean, doesn't it really, you know, you promised, Lord, that you would never leave me nor forsake me. You promised, Lord, that, that you would be there in my moment of struggle. And it's that, that trial then is working out God's purpose. Don't, don't, don't circum, don't, don't treat the emotion, like, like, for example, when, um, when I get angry, what, well, when you get angry, what do you do? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll reverse it. When you get angry, do you vent? Well, that so-and-so, and you use some maybe harsh language. Or maybe you just get so angry and you just, you just, you're just tied up in knots. You know, let that emotion, you know, say that, that emotion, you have to turn down some of the noise. <laughs> And part of that is just saying, Lord, what is it you're doing in my life? Because I know you want me to trust you more. Because the word testing there is the word, it's a, it's a, it's a Greek word, but it basically means that God's, the word test there, testing you, and he's saying testing your faith. He basically is using that idea of God testing something to show approval. It's like... Uh, they would test gold and silver to make sure that it was authentic. Guess what? God tests our faith. Because that testing purifies our faith. And it helps us to see some of the dross and some of the weaknesses. And, and, you know, and, and God doesn't show us that to say, shame on you. No, God does that so that when, when we call out in prayer, he says, guess what? I just was hoping that you would be more dependent on me and stop being so self-sufficient. I mean, isn't that truly what happens? Is I want to be able to say, Lord, I've really got it together as a Christian. You know, and you people that really struggle with your trials, and you don't seem to be able to, just, I mean, just, you know, if you just trust God like I do, you would not have a problem with your trials. You know, I, and I've heard those kind of testimonies, but, but believe me, and believe the scriptures, is that that's not real faith. 
How many times did Abraham, when faced with a test, now, and then <laughs> it says that Abraham did not waver when God told him to go sacrifice his son, but he did not waver before that? You bet sure. When he and, he and uh, uh, Sarah went up to, down to Egypt, guess what he told her? You're my sister. Don't tell him you're my wife. Lie. And then later on when he went, uh, he was at another place and he told her the same thing. After he did, he just, met, he just, he just botched it that time. He botched it again. And you're going like, wait there, Abraham's the man of faith. And you're going like, man, he kind of failed a few times, didn't he? But we do that too. But those tests are intended to make us stronger, to learn to trust who God's character really is, that God can be dependent on. And he's saying, don't be like the waves of the sea. You know, that, that word he's using there is, the, he's like, uh, in, in Chinese it says, don't be like a, a double-minded person. In, in, in China they had a, a word for that, it's having feet in two boats. But we would call it, I, I, I grew up with this, stop straddling the fence, right? <laughs> we understand that term. You either jump over or you, you, know, you know, decide on which direction you're going to go, but don't, you can't straddle the fence anymore. And that's what he's saying. When we pray for God to do what God has already promised he would do, because we know God gives, but he gives liberally. And when God gives, he doesn't say, you know, is it you again? You're back again. How many times do I have to help you? Or, or you missed it again? That's not the way God deals with our trials. He doesn't, he's not looking at us and saying, boy, you know, I, you know, Jesus doesn't want us to think that he's the Jesus vacation planner. Okay? Sometimes we think that. Well, you know, I have, I, you know uh, that's not what God, that's not what Jesus is. <laughs> Jesus is the one who redeems us. We need him. And God wants us to realize how much we need him because the more we need him, the more we will embrace him and grow in our faith. And so God's promise here, not only of abundant wisdom, but, but the promise here is, is that when we do ask that we don't have to wonder, is God going to come through? Is he going to answer? In other words, Abraham did not waver through unbelief, but boy, he sure seemed to waver at times, didn't he? You know, you know our, our, our Christian growth is sometimes up and down, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's going there, but it, <laughs> I mean, we go through a trial and say, boy, I thought I learned that on that last trial. But that's why God says, remember, 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 Israel kept forgetting all the wilderness trials, all the lessons God taught them, and they kept repeating them. That's why you had the exile. And they kept forgetting that God provided manna. God says, I am Yahweh. I don't change. You can depend on me. And yet they continually did the same things. Oswald Chambers says this, faith by its very nature must be tried and the real trial of faith is not that we find it difficult to trust God, but we have to be clear about who God is, His character. What does the world tell us who God is? Well, He's just this big loving God. Well, if you have, you know, have that view of God, then what happens when things don't go well with us? Then we get angry at God. Uh, that, uh, or the smorgasbord God is, well, He's a little bit of everything. You know? But that's not the God of Scripture. That's not the God of the Bible. Um, and I think of, you know, as we pray uh, for wisdom, 
let's just constantly pray that we would get to know who the God of the Bible is. I think that's the value of going through and studying the scriptures. You know, you're going through the Old Testament now, and you think you were going through the New Testament some uh, before. But that's the value because through the, it's only through the Word we get to know who the God that we serve really is. And, and that's, that's the value and not just to have it up here, but to have it in our, to see it that when I face a trial, the one person I can rely on is Jesus Christ. I can rely upon Him. But the warning here, I think, I think at the end here, and I'm just going to close with this, it's the warning is that I want to do something that I think I do as, even as a parent. You know, as a parent, do you like to see your children go through trials? What's the first thing we do? And I've done this so many times, and I keep, I say, John, you, that's not how you learn that. <laughs> I want to rescue them from their trial. I've done that. I'll have to admit. I, and, I, and I beat myself. I said, I know I shouldn't do that. But I just remember when I went through that trial and how difficult. I mean, there's different ways you can help, but sometimes we want to get them out of the trial. The tri- all the trials, some trials are actually good for our kids, our grandkids. It develops their character, doesn't it? We sometimes, I mean, I'll have to admit, I, there's times where I just want to, okay, all right, I'll fix that. And Chris will look at me and say, why did you do that? I say, I know I shouldn't have done it. You know, they need to learn that lesson, right? I mean, for example, consequences. I just want, I don't want them to have to go through that. Well, they've got to learn if you do this and this, these are the consequences. Well, what is God doing with us? He's doing the same thing with us. But I want to cut, I want to cut into that, I want to, I want to short circuit a little bit. I, want to, I, want, I don't want that little butterfly, that spiritual butterfly inside. I don't want, to, I have to, I want to, I want to ease the pain. And so I, I what? I want to cut it out. I want to circumvent. I want, I want to get out from... So he's basically saying, don't try so much to get out from under the trial. Let the trial have its perfect work so that you would be more complete, lacking in nothing. And in that process, ask for wisdom so, that you, so it drives you to the wisdom that God says he'll provide. I mean, I, I, in other words, when we deliver, when we always are ready to pull... We want God to say, just take it away. But, you know, when you try to be a savior for somebody else, what happens? They'll always come back and say, save us again, save us again, save us again. And sometimes you have to say, I'm not your savior. Jesus is. He's your real savior. And, uh, and that some trials are actually good. And many, uh, well, the trials God puts us through are always good. And so we just want to get out from under. But guess what? James says those same trials, and we'll look at this next week, some trials also can be the same, same trial can also be a temptation, right? And the temptation is the same temptation Jesus went through in Matthew 4. So we can have a test which is in, intended to build us up in our faith, but that same test can also be used by Satan and our flesh to be a temptation to sin and to rebel against God's purposes in our life. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for your word, and we just ask that you would bless that word to us this morning. Uh, Lord, I know that so often in trials, I, I think of uh, the, the escape route, and I suppose some, to a certain degree, Lord, that's human nature. But, Father, thank you that so often you block the way like you did the people of Israel. As they departed Egypt, you blocked the way, and, and the only way forward was through the Red Sea. But, Father, in that Red Sea, Lord, there was great deliverance as you opened it up and you delivered your people. So help us to learn that lesson, Lord, this morning. Whatever we're going through, whatever people are struggling with, and this congregation, and Father, each of our lives are confronted with so many different uh, trials and struggles. But Lord, help us to trust you that in the midst of that, we want to know you better. Lord, may we not just allow it to embitter us. May it not, may you allow it, Father, not to hinder our growth. Uh, Lord, may you just deepen our desire to be wise and to, to seek your face and to seek, seek you, uh, to know more about who you are and what you're doing. And we pray this in Jesus' name.